listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 217. Hey, Paige. Hey. We're doing it. Yeah? We're doing the IBM giveaway. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I have a I have a number. Yep. We've only talked about it for 13 years. I know. <laughs> so audience, you got to listen to the whole show. Sorry. We're going to announce the winner a little bit later on, a little bit further down. Right now, we got some reviews to go through. You want to read the first one? Let me get the second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got an outstanding podcast is the title. Five stars. Fantastic way to keep track of the happenings in the industry. You've truly been a lighthouse in the storm since everything went to crap this year. Mark and Paige is positive, but honest vibe definitely rubs off and makes my day better. Thanks, 45 Gravity Cowboy. Love it. Love it. Love it. Second one, one star review, thumbs down. Political segment was disappointing. And this is from user RV here in the United States. So a couple of things. So first thing is I don't pick the news articles. If it's in the news, they show up and we talk about it if it pertains to oil and gas. Second thing, up until just recently, user RV, I agree with you. I didn't want politics in this show. I don't like hearing politics in any show, but it's gotten to the point now where politics are a major contributor to what's going to happen to the future of the oil and gas industry. So we have to talk about it. And then finally, my question is this, did you not like the segment because my political views differ from yours? Well, if that's what's going on, that's the problem, right? Now, if it truly is, you don't like politics in the show, I agree with you hundred percent. And no matter what user RV, I do appreciate you leaving us a review. So yep. thank you. Yep. And a little bit of announcement. We got some of our fellow oil and gas podcasters got some new shows out there. So we have Russell Treat, who we've known forever, the Pipeline Podcast. He now has a Pipeline Technology Podcast. Go check that out. Yeah, I've interviewed him. He's great. He's just a good guy. Same way with Colin. Colin Plack. He has his new real estate podcast for people that work in the oil and gas industry. Basically teaching you how to shift your business focus and make money from real estate. At the same time, you can keep working in the oil and gas industry. So both two very good shows. I've listened to them both. Two very good people. We'll put links in the show notes. So, you know, go check them out. Even though they're not part of the OGGN network, they're part of our oil and gas global podcast family. And we like to support them as well. Right on. So let's get into the news stories, Mark. First one is Weatherford gets a new president and CEO. Yeah, well, if you don't know the story, basically Weatherford has not done very well. They went through bankruptcy. They've suffered for a few years. The board decided that they needed change in leadership, which is what we're talking about here. This is really good. So Girish Salgram is the company's new president, chief executive officer. He's been around for a very long time. He was a chief operating officer, ex-Terran, has a bunch of oil and gas experience. I don't know him personally, but I know of him. And he is the guy that's going to be able to pull Weatherford out of this hole and get him back on track. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's not even easy for, for somebody to do this when it's good times. And this is the opposite of good times for a service company. But he definitely has the leadership qualities, the experience, the business expertise. And he's also looking toward the future, right? Which I think all leaders in oil and gas need to be doing that. Because if you're not looking and figuring out what the future is going to bring for our industry, you're going to get left behind. But you know, Hats off to him for being appointed. Really expect the Weatherford to turn things around. I also expect them to downsize a lot. I expect them to shrink, get rid of stuff that's not their core competencies, and come out a very lean, fighting, much smaller service company. But, you know, let the people keep their jobs. Let the leadership get the company back on its feet, and we'll see where they go from there. All right. So the next article is OPEC 
turned 60. So this was last week. Yeah. So, man, OPEC, hard to believe it's 60 years old. And the cool thing is I don't remember when it was formed because I'm not quite that old yet. So you were about five. <laughs> I was about five. <laughs> you know, happy anniversary, OPEC. I'm not a big fan of the cartel. But I'm a big fan of some of the stuff the cartel has done over this last 60 years. They brought some stability to the oil and gas market. They actually, in the beginning, kind of pushed the super majors back and pushed them in their place. You know, there's a big story of how OPEC was formed. I'm not going into that. Go Google. It's very easy to understand why they were formed, when they were formed. But all of a sudden, the big super majors at that time in the 50s had to rethink their position and they could no longer push people around. And that, that was something that was good. The same way with so, a lot of the social good that OPEC has done. So even though I don't appreciate the cartel, I do appreciate a lot of stuff they've done. And the cool thing is, Paige, do you know where they're headquartered? No, I don't. They're in Vienna. Really? They've been in Vienna for 55 years. So Austria has always given them a welcome home. I don't know if that's a tax thing or what, but how cool is OPEC is headquartered in Vienna? A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I definitely didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, we'll you know, keep track of what's going on with OPEC. I, there's a lot of changes going on with OPEC. You know, if you listen to previous shows, you know what I think, but I will wish them happy birthday. And like I said, I am really proud of a lot of stuff that OPEC has done. Just not a big fan of the cartel. All right. So Venezuela defies U.S. sanctions with first Iranian oil import. Speaking of OPEC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is not this is not good. And the tanker actually came in and cut off its telemetry so the, the rest of the world couldn't track it. It looks like the tanker is actually his name is horse, even though they say it's honey. It's an Iranian flag super tanker. It didn't bring in crude. It brought condensate. You know what condensate is, Paige? Well, when I think of condensate, I think of the water, <laughs> my water bottle sweating. Really? No, that's really close. So you also hear it called natural gas liquids. It's okay. literally molecules that while they're in the reservoir, in the natural gas reservoir, they're gas. And when you bring up on surface, sometimes by the change in pressure or by reducing the temperature, you can turn that gas into a liquid. And that liquid is very similar to high-octane gasoline. So what they're doing is they brought in condensate so they could take their very heavy crude, which is almost like tar, uh -huh. blend it with a much lighter weight condensate so that they can start trying to produce gasoline. Venezuela cannot supply gasoline to its citizens. They've actually had to import gasoline, which the sanctions have clamped down on. Literary page, you think it's bad here when sometimes people have to wait a day to get gasoline. Sometimes people are waiting a week in Venezuela right now to be able to put gasoline in their car and they can't fill it up. They don't think they're limited to three gallons. Oh right? my gosh. Can you imagine that? No. Yeah. And so the Venezuela's economy is, is in shambles. We've talked about this for, for a couple of years. This low crude price and low demand is destroying it. Venezuela needs a change in government. The people that are suffering the most are the people in Venezuela who can't get diapers for their kids, who can't get food, can't get medical supplies. And if you remember last month, we seized four tankers bringing Iranian gasoline to Venezuela. And they weren't real happy about that. But things need to change over there. And it will change. Unfortunately, the people have to suffer just a little bit more until, until the government gets basically overthrown over there. But that's a part of the world that is rich in natural resources. And it's a shame that so much corruption over the last 30 years has just destroyed their economy. And it, it just needs to change. And, and it will. I just feel bad for the people that live there. I, I do as well, for sure. But here's something sort of exciting. Traffic levels in Europe and Asia near pre-COVID levels. Thank goodness. Right. We need that demand to come back. And it's coming back, folks. And we're seeing it from all different points, not just here. It is interesting some of the stuff that's changed. I'll get to the article in a minute in a minute. But you know, one of the things that's going on right now is that the commercial airlines are buying 
offshore marine fuel because it's cheaper than jet fuel because nobody is shipping stuff around the world like they used to. So it's cheaper for them. Interesting. Isn't that crazy to think wow. about that? And all that will fix itself. All the different blends, you know, here in the U.S., we're switching from our summer blend to our winter blend. The U.S. has not had the uptick in vehicle traffic like we had, had in Europe and Asia, but the U.S. is getting there. It'll be there by the end of this year. You know, this is great. And it's the most important thing, even though it's hard to judge, the most important thing is we need global demand to get back to where it was before. And it will. It just could take a little bit of time. But this is very promising news. It's actually made me smile when I saw this news article in here. It's like, yes, finally, people are are driving again, which is what we need. Now we need people to fly and buy soccer balls and lipstick and everything else. And we're getting there. But this is this is a, a way, ray of sunshine. Slowly but surely. All right. So fossil fuels account for the largest share of U.S. energy production con- and consumption. This is not an article that I want to use to do anything other than talk about how fossil fuel, and I hate the term fossil fuels, hydrocarbons is the most organic fuel on the planet. I wish we called them natural fuels or organic fuels because it's what they are. It's basically legacy sunlight converted to energy by plants and animals in our oceans that Mother Earth has warmed and compressed for millions of years and turn it into hydrocarbons. Right. right? So it's very natural. It's totally organic. A lot well, of people- maybe, maybe if we added organic to the title of it, maybe the protesters would like it more. Maybe. But anyway, the whole thing about this article is they're showing the mix between what they're calling fossil fuels, which is natural gas, crude oil, coal, and then renewables and nuclear. And the nuclear space is actually interesting to watch. We had declined in nuclear energy probably since the 1970s. And now it's nuclear starting to come back here in the U.S., which I think is great. I even think Bill Gates has invested in that. Yeah, he has. Nuclear, if you don't know this, people, is the safest energy form out there. It's just unfortunately in the 70s, Greenpeace, from a very good marketing point of view, even though I don't agree with them at all, this made the world scared of nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is great. But in this article from the EIA, they're talking about the mix. The mix has basically stayed consistent. Now, the interesting thing is, they're talking about today's numbers. If we look at what I think is going to happen with our economy in 2021, you're going to see a growth in the need for energy, especially electricity production here in the U.S. And the only fuel that can fill that need in that short period of time is going to be natural gas. So great to see the renewables mix grow. Great to see you know the energy consumption in the U.S., which had fallen off because of COVID-19, start to creep back up. I don't care where the energy comes from. We just need more demand. So please, yeah, people, turn your lights on, take hot baths, you know, leave the air conditioning a little bit lower than normal. Let's just let's just get our energy demand back up. All right. So Shell buys Cosmos exploration assets. You know, there's two different ways I could I could talk about this article. Let me talk about first thing about what's going on. So this is Shell doing something that nobody would think be going on would think be going on right now, especially with a large super major. So this is a big risk by Shell, big financial risk, but they stand big gains. A lot of people tell you that oil and gas companies aren't taking big risks right now in this double black swan COVID-19 year. And here's Shell going, eh, we're up for it. So Cosmos basically is getting rid of a bunch of assets that, that, that's not in their sweet spot. It's $200 million, which sounds like a lot of money, $100 million in cash up front, then $100 million later. Honestly, in Shell's portfolio, $200 million is nothing. Cosmos is able to use that money, that capital to finance at a much lower interest, the projects that are in their sweet spot. So, you know, they can work really hard on West Africa and Gulf of Mexico and give this other stuff to Shell, where Shell has the ability and the wherewithal and the capital and the expertise to take these very complex projects and bring them to fruition. And if they do, and if the numbers, production numbers are what Cosmos said they should be, Shell's going to knock it out the park with this. Now, Shell, 
You have spent a lot of time and money, and I love y'all, by the way. I know you very well. A lot of time and money lately talking about the energy transition and talking about green energy and renewables. And I'm a big supporter of renewable energy. But here's a perfect example of Shell doing what it does best and sticking with its core business, which is hydrocarbons. Right. Enough said. All right. So economists, West will suffer the most under Trudeau's second carbon tax. My Canadian brothers and sisters, oh my God, y'all, it just keeps getting worse for y'all. So this is an article about what's going to happen in the basically the western part of Canada, which I didn't realize the western part of Canada, so basically Alberta and Saskatchewan, contribute $20 billion a year to the federal budget of Canada. So these two states or provinces in Canada contribute almost more money than all the rest of Canada, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know where that money comes from? Most of it? More. Oil and gas. Right. Yeah. So the second carbon tax that Trudeau's proposed called the Canadian Fuel Standard will require all suppliers of fossil fuels to reduce their carbon content. That's going to drive up fuel prices. That's going to drive up electricity prices. That's going to drive up home heating bills. It's going to make it about 30% more expensive to keep your house warm in Canada, right? Right Jeez. off the bat. Yeah. And they're, they're looking at, you know, and the idea on the surface sounds good, right, to, to reduce your carbon. But Canada's carbon emissions have been flat since 2005. They have not increased their CO2 emissions since 2005. And they're saying, Trudeau's saying that they want a 30% reduction by 2030. Mathematically, it's impossible. Unless you get rid of all the people in Canada by 2030, you're not going to hit that number. What you are going to do is drive businesses out of Canada. We've seen it happen here in the States, right, where you make it so expensive in certain states like California that the businesses leave. They just have to. This is what's going to happen here. The other thing that a lot of people don't talk about is the deeper value chain. So if I'm working for an oil and gas company, say I'm working for a service company, I get paid well, but my company spends money on me at hotels, on restaurants, on tools, on training, on PPE, on trucks, and all that trickles through the economy. So even though I'm one worker, the oil and gas money has a rebounding effect through the economy because a lot more money is pumped through that energy mix because the profit's there. The green jobs aren't like that. The green jobs don't generate all the hotel revenue, all the truck revenue, all the PPE revenue. Nothing against working for renewals. I'm just talking about this from a from a financial point of view. So if you're promoting green energy, renewable energy, and you're pushing out the hydrocarbon-based jobs, it's going to pack the economy in a much greater way than everybody thinks it will. So this is just this is just a mess. And it just needs to stop. Now, will it? I don't know. It's hard enough for me to stay on top of our politics in my country, much less other countries. Yeah, no kidding. But if if the government of Canada puts this into place, it's going to hurt the people of Canada. And the people want to pay the prices, not the politicians. So let's hope that we wake up tomorrow and this goes away. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Okay. Maersk hopes drone can deliver sweet savings. So this is Maersk. Maersk. Yeah. Maersk. Yeah, close enough. This is really cool. They did an experiment. Now, if you read this article, which I, by the way, this is in CIO magazine, so don't say we stick just to oil and gas news. Our news comes from everybody. So if you look at, if you read this article, it's really cool. And they talk about they use drones to deliver, a, I think it was a 10-pound package from a, actually, it was, I think it was a 10-pound package of cookies. Like yeah, cookies that yeah, it was. To a tanker at sea. And it was an experiment. Now, what they don't say is the drone wasn't autonomous. The drone was being flied by a person. The real savings here is when you get where the drones fly themselves, which we have the technology. And I get why Maersk wanted somebody manning that thing before it landed right. on that tanker. <laughs> um, but they're actually doing a proof of concept 
to basically more than double that cargo weight. So they want to go from a 10-pound cargo to a 22-pound cargo. And at that point, now you're able to deliver vital parts to ships while they're at sea. So imagine if you lose a power inverter. Typically, you have to send a tug or a helicopter, which costs a ton of money to get that power inverter to the ship. Well, now the drone can just go grab the power inverter and drop it off. The ship doesn't have to slow down. The ship doesn't have to do anything. And I think that is like an incredible use of technology that we can do today. Now, MERSC has to go through all kinds of testing. I'm sure different governments and different agencies have different rules and regulations about the drones and the size and who can fly. Yeah, I was going to say, that's going to have to be a huge drone. Well, the big thing is it's going to have to be a powerful drone, which is going to be a large one. And then you get to this whole physics thing about you have to need larger batteries, which increases the weight of the drone, and it can be a bit of a... And I remember talking to someone at some conference. I think it was in Oklahoma when we went. That's right. We 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 talked about... We had a drone person on the show. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Was that the HS&E show? It could have been. Anyway, anyway, I think this is awesome. I want more of this. You know yeah. who else is looking really hard at this and actually doing proof of concepts already in the U.S. is both UPS and FedEx. Yeah, I did hear about the UPS. So UPS worked with Ford, had some special vans made. It looks almost like James Bond because it looks like a normal UPS van. It stops and the roof opens. It. <laughs> and then there's 20 freaking drones in there. And so what happens is they use the drone van to bring everything to a central location like our neighborhood. And then the truck stops and then the drones launch and deliver everything in the neighborhood. Then they come back, they repackage, go to another spot and so on and so on. Love that idea. I mean, that's just, that's a good use of technology. Just take people out of the equation. So less drivers, so less people get hurt, less lost time incidents and more accuracy. Because I tell you what, in today's world, I can't see a drone forgetting to deliver my package, right? Which you and I both have had mysterious packages disappear, you know, packages thrown around like crazy. Well, and that, that and porch pirates and, you know, yeah. all that mess. So. Yeah, so I just think it's awesome that Maersk is doing this. Shout out to them. Hey, if y'all want to come on the technology show and talk about this, let me know. I'll introduce you to Michael O'Sullivan, the new host of that show. But good for y'all for taking something and, and making a business case with it. All right, so Texas energy sector gives back. Who? Well, so we're an industry of people that like doing business people. We care. So even though it's a metric in everybody's heart in this industry, they want everybody to go home safe at night. And when we can help, we help. Now, you know, earlier I was talking about OPEC. OPEC's actually helped this year. They agreed to a cut in production. That was a very beneficial thing for the world. You know, in Texas, we've been hit probably harder than almost anybody else, but we've had so many companies chip in to do stuff that's just really cool. Kinder Morgan donated a bunch of money to support fire stations, police stations, local schools. ConocoPhillips spent a bunch of money for a hospital to buy ultraviolet lights to buy, do deeper cleaning. Apache donated a bunch of money and hospital to hospitals in West Texas to buy a PPE. You know, EOG Resources donated over a million dollars to 40 different food banks in, in our local area. It just goes on. Great Houston COVID-19 Relief Fund has raised over $17 million. You know, Kinder Morgan, Conoco Phillips, Chevron Phillips, all have contributed to that. And then ExxonMobil donated a lot of money to the Texas Restaurant Association to keep our local restaurants up and running. And so, you know, big shout out to everybody. And I've probably missed a whole bunch of them. But when the chips are down, our industry comes together and tries to help everybody out. Yeah. And I just, I love that about our industry. And uh, I mean, this is all for COVID stuff and economic stuff. But I mean, man, we have been blasted with some hurricanes and some, and uh, you know. Yeah, shot- audience, if you're wondering where last week's episode was, <laughs> well, <laughs> we had we, another we hurricane come yeah, through. Yeah, we didn't know if it was going to hit us. And as we're speaking, tropical now depression beta hit us. So we had a big rain event, but we're both fine and yeah. and our families are okay. But if you know anybody in any sort of Red Cross or anything like that, 
especially for Southwest Louisiana. A lot of people were without homes. Electricity. Out of electricity. And our realware offer still stands. If you hear on the past show, if, if you're a first responder, and whether it's first responder as far as EMT or fire or police, or your first responder as in getting the electricity back up, and you think a wearable device that will give you communications back to headquarters is useful, Redware is giving those away for free if it helps an affected area. So go back to our last show. There's a link in that show notes. You can go click on that. But I just love the fact that everybody comes together and helps. Yes, absolutely. 100%. All right, so this is interesting. Justin Bieber highlights oil pain. So Paige, it took this to get me to actually watch. This is my first Justin Bieber video I've ever watched. <laughs> I'm not a fan of his music. Don't know the guy. Love the video. So it basically tells a story of a, what I would say, a roughneck. Now, I do have some issues with the video. One is the constant stream of oil coming out the pipe that he just let <laughs> fall on the ground. So and I didn't the, watch it yet because I found the article and I was just, oh, this has to go on the so show. So that but. bothers me because they're letting what looks like real crude just come out this pipe on the ground. And then right next to that, there's this guy that's cranking on a valve and he cranks on the valve for the whole video. It's like, it has to be closed by now. <laughs> it has to. But you know what? They're musicians and they're performers. They're not roughnecks. So I give them hats off. But basically it tells a story of a, looks like a roughneck working on a small on-land production platform-ish and the company man has to come out and say, look, we have to shut down. We're not making money. We have to lay everybody off. Then his truck doesn't start. And then later they're homeless. I guess because he doesn't have a job anymore. He doesn't have money, right? right? And then an army soldier picks them up, gives them a hot meal, and then welcomes them into their family so everything's good again. It, it does make your eyes water up a little bit. But I will say this much. Justin, hats off to you for showing the pain that my industry's going to. A lot of your peers in the music industry would have never touched this. Yeah. Right. And I give you super street creds for actually showing what a lot of people are actually really going through right now. And I get that you're a performer, but I still have to believe that your heart was in the right place, that you wanted to show this. And I just hats off for doing this. So not a big Beaver fan. I did watch the video from one end to the other. Well, he knows how his Canadian brothers and sisters are hurting. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. He's from Canada. I forgot yeah. about that. So I just think it was awesome that he did this. And, and I know they're going to make some money and all that stuff. But still, they told the story of, a, of an industry that most musicians would have never touched. And I, you know, yeah, love highly, you highly controversial. Yeah, but... So thank you. All right. So last article is Chinese oil giant could buy Exxon's North Sea assets. Yes. Yeah, so the North Sea is conventional reservoirs. A lot of those reservoirs are in various stages of being depleted. It's not as lucrative. You know, that Brent crude, Europe loves it, but the rest of the world now has other supplies. So you're seeing a lot of big companies, big companies pull out and they're, they're pulling out because it's not the future moneymaker like it was 10, 20 years ago which means that smaller companies can come in that are either more nimble or have different technology or different price points and make money. And so this is Sinopec coming in with some private equity money, wanting to pick up Exxon's assets. This is nothing new. Exxon put those on the market last year at some point. I can't remember what time. And let the world know, hey, this is for sale. I think it's 15 to 20 fields. And then when the prices tanked, Exxon said, you know what? We're not selling now because the prices are too low. And now they're interested in selling. And the interesting thing is, I was surprised at, number one, not only the number of bidders, but the dollar amount that it looks like it's going to go for, which tells me that the people that are in the know know that prices are coming back, know that this is a good investment now because they can pick it up cheaper than they could have picked it up a couple of years ago. And, and somebody will pick it up and add it to their portfolio. Exxon will take that money and do what it does best, reinvest in other places that are in their sweet spot. So this is actually a good thing. It is interesting to watch all the big guys pull out North Sea and all the younger, smaller, and more nimble companies come in. But you know what? That's what the North Sea needed. I love that part of the world. I love that it's a different business culture, but you know, 
every way from Aberdeen to Kongsberg, you know, that whole part of the North Sea is just wonderful people, beautiful. And this low crew price environment has hurt everybody up there. So, you know, good thing, Exxon, go ahead and go ahead and sell this, get it out of your portfolio, let somebody else use it and then move on. But this was, you know, to be totally expected. All right. So if you have won an IBM shirt, pull it out. We'll give you a couple seconds. Go pull it out and go find that number. All right. Here we go. Spinning the wheel. All right, if your sleeve says 33. It's not sleeve, it's front front chest. Under whatever, whatever. Okay. whatever. I don't the know where it is. is. The number is 33. 33, so if you have IBM shirt number 33, you have one week? Uh, let's give them two. You have two weeks to reach out to Paige and I. The, our contact information is in the show note. You can hit us up on social media. Send us a smoke signal, I don't care. I want a picture with your shirt to verify that it is in fact your shirt. Send it by email, get a hold of us, and... Let us know what your address is so we can send you a little goodie box. Yeah. And so take a picture. We're, I'm telling you now, it's going on our social media. So comb your hair and sh- make sure to it shows the number clearly. And then you're the first one of our swag giveaway. I don't want to tell everybody what's in the bag. It is super cool and value. It's a bunch of stuff. One of which is a signed baseball worth several hundred bucks, right? Yeah. 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 Pretty, I think it's an Astro. Yeah. So anyway, a bunch of really cool stuff. A big shout out to IBM. We're going to be doing this once a month. So if you have that shirt, get that number out, write it down somewhere, and then listen. In another couple of weeks, we'll be announcing another winner of the IBM swag bag, only for the shirts. And if you don't have a shirt, number one, don't try to reverse engineer because we already had somebody try to do that. We caught them at it. So <laughs> don't do that. But just go win one. It's easy. Go to the link in the show notes. We give away one shirt a week. And if you don't win, you can register every week. So go register your shirt so you can capture this really cool stuff that only our exclusive team of IBM shirt winners can participate in. We'd like you to play in that team as well. So go register and try to win a shirt. And then weekly rig count. I actually caught a little bit of grief today. Oh, yeah? About using Baker Hughes's rig count information. And I had to tell him, I said, from our point of view, it's better. Right? Yeah. So we're using it. Who, who said I don't want to tell you who it oh, was. okay. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you off the mic. Okay. But anyway, what's the recount doing, Paige? Okay, so in the U.S., 255. We're up one. Awesome. Canada, we've got 64. We're up 12. Go, Canada. Internationally, 747. Up four. That's the trend we want to see, people. That's yep. awesome. Bring it on. Speaking of awesome, our Facebook street team has moved to LinkedIn. Warren is running with that group. I actually think they have a call today, which means when you hear this, it's way too late, but they're doing monthly calls. We got a bunch of cool stuff that we're doing. Super engaged with the street team. Warren's forming subgroups. There's a questionnaire to go out, and that questionnaire is size of shirts, which means that we're getting away, getting ready finally. to give away some shirts. Yeah, finally. So go join the street team. It's basically an offshoot of our social media. We basically want to hours worth of work a week from you. We're going to ask you to help promote our social media. There's other stuff we can do too if you want to get more involved. But And if you can't do it because life gets away, it's okay. We know. So go join the street team. Go to LinkedIn. What do they look for, Paige, on LinkedIn? On LinkedIn, actually, they should just be able to look up OGG and street team. Street team. Okay, it yeah. should pop right up. And the Facebook group is still there. So if you're there, there's a link to bring you to the LinkedIn group. Yeah, I think so. I'm yeah, we're going to sure. end up killing that Facebook group somewhere Absolutely. down the road. So yeah. go, just go join the LinkedIn group. And Paige, that LinkedIn group is moderated by a real person, right? Yes. Yeah. So That's so moderated by either me or Warren. Yeah. So when you go to join, it may take a day or two to get accepted because a real person has to make sure. Yeah, no, we've been pretty quick. Pretty quick? Yeah. yeah. And then, whew, speaking of LinkedIn. <laughs> follow, follow, follow OGGN, the company page. Go ahead and get into our group. We have, it's a place where everybody that is a fan and listens can talk and 
and share get, stuff and connect yeah. with one another. So, and all the links for all this different stuff's in the show notes. So, depending if you're listening on iOS or Android, either swipe up or left, it'll bring you to the show notes. You can click all this stuff. And for probably one of the last times, go to the website, go to allandgasthisweek.com, give us your email address. Uh, we promise never to spam you, and we use that to alert you of new stuff we're doing. That website will disappear from the public view very soon. We're just about ready to launch a new OGGN website, which will be the hub for this podcast and all of our podcasts. And speaking of being a hub, if you want to be in the hub of what's going on in oil and gas events, sign up for my monthly oil and gas events newsletter. It's free. We take all the oil and gas events, plus stuff people don't know about, the public isn't aware of, discounts, free tickets, all that stuff. Sick in your inbox once a month for absolutely nothing. Happy to do that. And then if you're like me or any of our professionals to come speak at your event, we've been doing a whole bunch of it. You know who I'm speaking with? You know who I'm leading a panel with tomorrow? Condoleezza Rice. Yeah. How cool is that? That's pretty neat. Yeah, and I got four or five other ones going on in October. So I'm, I'm busy, but we have other people that would love to come speak. I'm happy to come speak. So if you want us to, you want to kick off your virtual sales or marketing kickoff, you want some motivation for your gun club, you know, you have a virtual conference and you'd like to some a different traffic, whatever, reach out to us, let me know, and we're happy to share the details. And then first Friday Q&A, you know the deal, you submit the questions. If we read your question on the air, you get a big shout out. And the goal is not to stump us. The goal is to help educate the audience. So if you have any questions, and I mean anything, because we've gotten, we've got some lighthearted questions. We've had some very serious, Novels. ethical, deep questions too, yeah. and everything in between. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, Paige, ready to get out of here? Actually, I wanted to say, we have an election coming up, folks. Register to vote right now before it's too late. Early voting's coming up. Exercise your right to vote. Yep, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't care what your political beliefs are. Do your duty as an American and take advantage of your right as an American. Go register to vote and go cast your ballot. You do make a difference. Absolutely. All right, remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here's Savannah with Events on Deck. This is Savannah, and here are the events on deck for September 2020. There's the FPSO World Congress 2020, and that's on September 1st to the 4th, and also the 8th, and it's all online. The next one is Building the Future Industrial Summit on September the 16th, and that's also online. There's also the 4th Annual Blockchain and Oil and Gas Conference 2020, and that's on September the 16th to the 18th. Then there's the Engenius Symposium and Exhibition for Upstream Innovation 2020, and that's September the 22nd to the 24th. And there's also Effective Leadership Through Change and Uncertainty featuring Condoleezza Rice, and that's on September the 24th. There's also NAEP Summer 2020 from August 11th to September the 14th. And lastly, there's BP Week 2020, September 14th to 16th. That's all for September. Hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil and Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.